0: select Zach Wilson quarterback BYU what is going on everybody welcome back to the turn of the Jets podcast I'm your host Will Parkinson at Paul 11 on Twitter Instagram and TikTok We'll have the Charles McDonald interview coming up um, in a minute or two here. Just wanted to address uh, as that interview was recorded um, after the first Jets joint practice with the Packers that, uh, you know, obviously Carl Lawson, the news comes out last night, uh, ruptured Achilles is going to miss the 2021 season, Zane Lewis um, as well as after the season. But obviously Lawson, the big news, just a devastating blow for the Jets 2021 season. Um, you know, the season is not over, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, but it is, you know, it is a significant blow to probably the guy who's had the best camp of anybody um, and, and flashed the most every single practice, been a really good leader off the field. You know has been working his butt off on the field and, you know, iron sharpening iron with Mikai Beckton and Morgan Moses and, you know, making those guys around him, that defensive line potentially really, really special. So um, obviously a devastating blow loss has been, you know, unfortunately down this road before with, you know, the two ACLs in 2014 and 2018, in which he was able to, you know, come back really successful and obviously, you know, garner this huge deal from the Jets. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be basically, you know, Robert Sal has also dealt with this before. You know, if you remember last year, a guy like Nick at week two tears his ACL against the Jets. And, you know, it was that premium edge rusher that I dealt with so many defensive injuries last year. It's one of the reasons Salah got the job was. Um, how impressive he was in that Niners team being competitive with so many injuries, not just on offense with Jimmy G, but defensively just crushing injuries and they were able to really perform and I'm still doing a good job. So, and that's, that's kind of the hope there is that the guys like John Franklin Myers, Bryce Hoff, Kyle Phillips, when he comes back, uh, Ronald Blair, you look at Vinny Curry, who's a veteran. And I know people have asked about veteran signing. Um, I'm sure they'll probably take a look at the Everson Griffins and the, um, you know, and, and those guys, but I would, you know, I'd be I'd be more surprised if they, if they went that direction. Didn't just invest in youth and the depth they've built there. It's still a really strong unit. You know, Quinn takes a step, and and that's gonna be huge. Could be huge for them. You look at you know Rankins and Kasi, and um, maybe you know you get something out of some of the other young guys. So it's not all doom and gloom. The season's always been about Zach Wilson, his development, being about having Robert Sala be the guy as the head coach and really showing that. These last two draft classes, the Mims, Ashton Davis's of the world, the Kai Becton's getting better. You or Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Elijah. Rituck, it's always been about those guys, um, but it's definitely a devastating blow. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Lawson again was good poised for a really big season. Had you know, really strong year last year. Just didn't have those sack numbers to get the recognition the Jets paid them accordingly. And you started off camp about as good as possible. And um, it's obviously. It's obviously crushing. He kind of knew it was the Achilles The second they said lower leg injury, and I used the word pop, um, it was it was all it was all but done. Um, the MRI was just to confirm that. But yeah, we'll get, we'll get into the interview with Charles McDonald. But again, um, obviously a crushing blow for the Jets. It's going to sting for a while. Um, you know, you hope Lawson's back in 2022 and and can have you know have a really big impact in that second year. And the Jets by that time already you know. They've shown Wilson's shown enough and, and Will Sal has shown the young these young guys and got all the picks in the cap space and you know and then Lawson's almost like another free agent addition. so you know um, you know we'll look, for, look forward to the uh, the game on Saturday. Um, I'll find out for you guys but I, I don't know that Denzel Mims will play based on you know being day to-day rankings as well we'll see how that goes but you know there'll be some really exciting stuff we'll get into with Charles and, and break down and preview the game and then we'll have the reaction pod. Um, you know, reaction video right after that, you know, Zach Wilson's first few drives. Uh, I'll have up on Twitter and Instagram, so make sure to, you know, take a look at that and then, um, you know, take a look on, uh, you know, on Sunday for a reaction pod. We've got some great guests coming up. You know, DJV Anime is going to hop back out with me. Rich Community is going to hop on. Um, you know, we have uh, a couple people from, from BYU that are going to come on and talk Zach Wilson, which is pretty cool. Um, Ryan Clark, Marcus Spears, uh, Daniel coming up, You know, you know, here soon as well. So, um, you know a lot, a lot of positivity. Uh, I know it's kind of it looks like it crushes the Jets' vibes um, for 2021. The season's not over. You guys are still going to watch. I'm still going to watch. Everyone, you know, there's still a lot of reason to be hopeful and optimistic. Um, but yesterday was definitely really tough. As obviously a fan, with Lawson, Washington and Quinn together it would have been pretty, pretty exciting. But you'll get to watch that in 2022, and we hope that this could be the, you know, breakout year for John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff, and you know they can make up, you know, the 12 to 15 sacks combined and and still keep this team really competitive and, uh, you know, still shock some people on Sundays. So, get an interview with Charles McDonald now, um, you know, and uh, try to enjoy the game on Saturday
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line
0: what's going on everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will paul on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by repeat guests one of my first guests i ever had on the podcast charles mcdonald senior writer for the win usa today charles how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm, I'm glad to see that this podcast has kind of got more popular since last time I was here. Yeah,
0: no, well, well, uh, it was one of the high-trade episodes. We, you know, we didn't have to talk about anything in the past. We just talked straight Jets, I and mean, was <laughs> when Deshaun Watson was going to be a Jet, and things were, you know, they were they were trying to figure out their coaching staff. It was crazy. Sam Darnold was their quarterback, so i yeah. um, glad to uh, glad to have you back on. What if your uh, what's your excitement level for the NFL season getting started? Training camp,
1: joint practices going on oh, I'm I'm super hyped. And I, I just like that this offseason, I guess, feels uh, a little bit more normal than last year. Because last year, it was just kind of weird. Like, there was no training camp, or not, no, not training camp, but no preseason games, no joint practices. And then all of a sudden, week one was just here. And, like, you haven't really seen these guys go against uh, players from other teams. So it's been kind of good to get back into, like, a sense of normalcy. And it just kind of feels like an NFL season, I guess, more than last year.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty wild. You just like I, I mean, I know you're big, you know, other sports as well. But like I watch I'm a diehard Yankees fan and all this stuff. and like as great as like they're in a playoff race right now. and like Twitter's freaking out about a Jets Packers joint practice in the middle of August. So it just shows you the NFL really it really it's, is
1: king, football man. Football. it's crazy. It, it it's like unstoppable. Like I, I people, I remember it was, it's funny because like people used to talk about, oh, could football be dying off? And I'm like, I'm seen like all this money being poured into the sport, so I don't think so. I, the schedule
0: release was like a prime time ESPN mid basketball season playoff. For, uh, it's it's wild. I don't like it's 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 awesome. Obviously for both of us, where right? you know it uh, helps uh, you know pay the, uh, pay the bills, but I want to get in kind of, you know, we've one preseason game in the books, obviously Jets and Packers are practicing uh, practice today. They'll practice again tomorrow and, uh, and play Saturday. What were your impressions out of hey, the Jets as a whole, but more importantly, Zach Wilson's debut that seemed to be a uh, pretty positive, you know, all around.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess with, with Zach, the good thing is uh, that he looked confident out there in the scheme and that, you know, you, even though the giants, they were treating that as like, they're kind of going in reverse order where, they were treating the first preseason game like their last. So they didn't have too many starters on defense playing, but you know, this, this is still his first action burst, like real NFL players that aren't his teammates. And I think it was just kind of good to see him build really again to the rhythm, you know, make some out throughout, uh, out, 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 <laughs> out route throws uh, that just kind of looked like, okay, you see the arm talent, you see that at least he's like a competent NFL talent and you uh, that's a good first step because, you know, as we see with guys like Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins, like some guys don't make it to that step even. So uh, it's, I think it was an encouraging debut. And just the fact that like, he didn't really seem lost in what the coaches were asking him to do. Uh, Sometimes like with rookie quarterbacks, you'll see them get delay of games because they're trying to get the play in uh, uh, from the sideline because, you know, it's a new system going from college where, a lot of these teams are running just like one word play calls uh, to a full NFL uh, system, which can have up to like 10 to 12 words in the play call to get everybody coordinated. But, you know, I think if you're a Jets fan, you should be encouraged by that and uh, encourage. but you know, don't, I I guess don't expect like, you know, 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, five interceptions this season, you know, just be happy, but keep your expectations tempered because at the end of the day, He's a rookie quarterback. He's going to have bad games. Just don't let it, you know, cloud your whole judgment of the situation.
0: Yeah, I was going to say how. I mean, obviously, I you know you were. You know, you saw Sam in practice early in his career, and how do you kind of see just from like a, I know you kind of mentioned this, like a confidence level and kind of poise. Did you see something of like somewhat of a difference between the way kind of Sam sat in the pocket versus Zach just watching, you know, on tape and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, because you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting because the way that Zach played at BYU I think was kind of similar to the way that Sam played in the NFL where you know you're going to hold on to the ball and just kind of wait and wait and wait and see if something comes up because you know like if you're Zach Wilson or or someone like Sam Darnold you know that even at the last second you got the arm talent to make some of these like more difficult throws if someone comes over at the last second so I guess for me like I was interested to see with Zach like how much of that translates to the game is he going to be someone that uh is he going to try to hang in there and make those plays or is he just going to try to play more within the rhythm of the offense i think you know for the first game it, it seemed like he was trying to play more within the rhythm of the offense and you know, to be to give credit to michael floor like he had some nice play calls that uh allowed zach to like show off his arm towel without putting the ball in danger which i think is what you want to see from basically any offensive coordinator across the sport so uh it's just gonna be interesting to see, like, when the bullets really start flying, and you're playing against some of these teams that have uh, better defensive linemen, or maybe defensive line talent that outmatches your offensive line talent. Like, how do you deal with that? Do you go back into bad habit? Because you know, in the NFL, you don't want to be that guy that's drifting 15, 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage, even if you can make, uh, you know, even if you can make those plays happen. Because I remember, I think it was, I think it was when Joe Flack was on the Jets. Uh, a couple years ago that game in Miami where he took like a 30 yard sack like when you're back there that's not where you want to be like <laughs> if you've gotten that far <laughs> something's gone quite wrong I'm not that-, that
0: game was literally nine months ago and it feels like oh my 700 God. years wow yeah that was last year oh yeah, my God. That, that okay. uh, last year last year sucked like a right. lot
1: and, and, yeah no, I, just to clarify like I'm not saying that Zach's gonna be that guy but you know, he, he does have like some of that playmaker mentality and where he's going to try to hold on and make that thing happen. So, you know, it, it's just all about growing, like growing pains to figure out what works and what doesn't. And I, I think that he should just spend the whole season seeing what he can get away with in the NFL.
0: Yeah. It's something he's mentioned a lot in practice of like, you know, I, I mentioned this, I it was the last pod that he made a throw the first play of team that I was at. And he like tried to see if he could bait CJ Mosley and obviously did not bait tj mosley and cj mosley who's an all pro level player like should have picked it off and tried to throw over the middle of the field and then the next play they came back ran the same thing he corrected himself which is what you want to see out of a rookie you just want to be like can you process this does not work and i cannot get away with this like you just mentioned and move on i actually thought trey lance and zach kind of had opposite debuts where like there wasn't the trey lance and the flash play which was awesome and there's a couple of throws you're like wow that's the arm talent and there's a couple you're like Yo, dude, you can't do that. Like you yeah. are you're, you're like he stared to a hot receiver one time and then just like didn't pull the trigger. And I was like, if you're gonna hold the ball, you're gonna get murdered even if Trent Williams is your left tackle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it, it's just a. Uh, it, it was a fun debut for for I think all the guys this weekend. Uh so yeah, I'm I'm real glad that we got to see that talent. But yeah, you know, Trey Trey had the big throw, but then after that his performance was kind of up and down. Like you kind of see why for now they're it's probably the still Jimmy. Yeah, they're choosing to stick with Jimmy, but uh, yeah, that, that was a that was a, a fun little highlight, and I think that that's a, one of the most important parts of the preseason. That
0: no, yeah, you want to have fun. You want to <laughs> have fun with these rookies. Like, I'm sorry I didn't get as excited about Mac Jones, like, dinking and dunking at two yards in an attempt for, like, 30 attempts. Like, he looked good and got the ball out quick, but at the same time, I I almost, like, you want to see – I don't know whatever that's a whole nother that's we'll get into that after but you know from a, a Jets strength perspective obviously defensive line has been talked about kind of over and over again Carl Lawson was kind of like is kind of the darling right now of the offseason from like an edge director perspective he looks incredible in person I'm not saying he hasn't had an awesome offseason but he's getting you know the hype train is is pumping <laughs> big time and obviously Quinn Williams hasn't played yet Bryce Hoff John Franklin Myers a flash really big and uh even Jonathan Marshall, a six-round pick who kind of was playing nose in college that really is more of a three-tech and looked really good. Is the Jets' defensive line going to be the key to them make winning six, seven games, or is it, oh, is it mostly yeah. offensive side of the ball?
1: Uh, I mean, the, the offense is going to be driving a lot of it, just like how can how efficient can you be with a rookie quarterback? I guess it's a big question for them. But on defense, yeah, like, I think that that defensive line is going to have to, you know, carry a huge load for them because – you know, and I will say that that's with, with this collection of guys, I don't think that that's like the worst spot to be in as a rebuilding team where you're just counting on, okay, we got Quitting Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Carl Lawson, uh, and then, you know, depth guys like uh, Bryce Huff, who had a pretty strong preseason game uh, himself, like, and you know, CJ Moses, like, if we can lean on these guys in the front seven, and, you know, kind of help us out in the back, on the back end. Like, that's a good spot to be in because, you know, I, I think LaMarcus Joyner is probably a pretty good addition to this secondary unit. Uh, but on the whole, like, I don't think that you should be overly confident that they're going to be out here, like, shutting people down. <laughs>
0: so, bless Austin's not the, uh, is not a top-tier corner, like he talks about?
1: Hey, well, look, we, we should all should aspire to have the, that level of confidence. If my out.
0: confidence was like I was from Queens, like he is, like, I honestly, I praise it, man. That's awesome. Good for you. (laughs)
1: Uh, When you you look at the defensive line, like it's actually like one of the more talented units in the league. And I think one thing that is exciting for Jets fans is like, they're talented, but they're also young. Like when you're looking at someone like Sheldon Rankins is like the old dude in the group, as far as guys are going to get a lot of playing time. uh, That's kind of a fun spot to be in. And like if, if Sheldon can get his legs back, you know, Sheldon, he was turning out to be one of the top three techniques in the league before he had, you know, season-ending injuries back-to-back years. Uh, and even if he's not, like, that's, even if he turns out to be, like, top 20, like, you got uh, Sheldon, you got uh, Quentin Williams right next to him. So these, these guys are good enough, for, like, where they'll have points where they can take over games. And I think that one thing that's kind of exciting with this group of guys is the interior like the way that the interior is kind of structured is like it's different than what greg williams used to do because greg wants to crowd the line of scrimmage we'll just have these big guys eat up in the middle and then we'll just blitz off the edge with jamal adams or marcus may or whoever the hell he just decides to concoct up in his mind that week uh and with saleh he's more like no like we want you guys to be penetrators. we want you guys to get up the field so when you see like the shift almost and from, 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 from some from some of these big heavy guys like Steve McClendon to Sheldon Rankins, like that's all on purpose. And it kind of goes back to this interview I did with Dan Quinn last year after he got fired. And we kind of talked about that shift in defensive line play. And obviously like the Saleh, Dan Quinn style of defense, like it's all connected, even though I think Saleh has kind of played his own imprint on it, uh, where he's like, you know, we want these guys to be sleek and fast and get up the field. And that's like a very real, philosophy twist or, or shift that these teams go through and undertake so when you see Lawson uh Quinn Sheldon Rankins like these guys can be cut loose and get up the field and I think that that for the talent they have on the secondary that's probably the best way for them to play this defense anyways
0: yeah no it's I was I was like actually listening to Carl and the, you know, the Jets obviously do like their the one Jets drive and all the you know the the promo stuff but he was talking about like he's always played in an a system and I'm not going to go down the loophole of the Bengals inability to use talent because we could be talking about that for four hours. But Carl Lawson was like, I just wasn't allowed to just be like be myself and just literally go kill people. Like, he's like, I just want to literally rush the passer and like obviously stop the run the whole nine yards, but like, he's like, I just want to literally go afield and kill people. And like, you can see like even the watching him play the way he just moves so freely right now, the confidence is just like kind of running. And like Sheldon Rankin's had a, I don't know what the Giants left guard was but he missed on an initial punch and Sheldon Rankins was like nope I'm gone this is I'm 2018 Sheldon Rankins and that that's like obviously super important CJ Mosley being even close to CJ Mosley is a huge thing because I I don't know I mean i you're obviously you're a big Falcons guy and he tweets on the tape about the Dolphins that offensive line getting their ass kicked by the Falcons which is quite frankly not great for the for the Dolphins the Jets schedule you know they might not be a great team either but the defensive line being a huge strength and Miami's offensive line, huge question marks, Carolina's offensive line, that's a whole another discussion. There's a lot of games on that schedule that the Jets could get away with where teams have either questions of quarterback or questions of offensive line, and it can protect, you know, the Bless Austin, Jason Pinnock, you know, those type of guys, <laughs> go those type of guys in the secondary, but the other kind of the big storyline, I guess, the last couple of days is, yeah, Elijah Tucker is still, you know, he played put on pads today for the first time, and you know, pretty much all camp and that's great. But Kai Beckton's had a interesting camp. He's not, you know, he's not had this do, been this dominant guy we watched all year last year for the most part. Do you think it's just practice getting himself into shape and Carlos and kicking his ass? Or is it like, is there a little bit of reason to be like, all right, like, is there something to be concerned with here?
1: Uh, I wouldn't be that concerned until it's like multiple games in a row where you see the struggles kind of come out uh, because Like when I was there last year at training camp, like he didn't look all that good early in camp either. And I don't know if that was like rookie jitters, but he also did say he showed up like kind of out of shape and overweight a little bit. And then he kind of worked his way back into it during camp. So uh, yeah, I, I guess I wouldn't be too concerned, Like we we've all seen the highlights and like the big blocks that he had last year, but you know, at the same time, you gotta remember, like he's only what 22 years old. So uh you use like if i think if you're expecting a finished product with makai as of now you might have accelerated your expectations a little bit too much based on how you play as a rookie like it's gonna be a process for him uh process to, as he continues to get used to this of the nfl game but uh i don't think it's time to panic just yet you know a, a bad practice is a bad practice like every player who's ever played football has had a bad practice this just happens to happen on a bigger stage on, in a joint practice, but at the end of the day, it's it's still practice.
0: Yeah, it's not like he's getting. I mean, the Smith brothers and Carl Lawson are all very talented edge rushers that play at a smaller size and use a lot of speed and power. And like, he's gonna if he's out of shape in any way, shape, or form. He had the foot there in the spring. He's probably you know working your way back. Like you're gonna get beat. It's just that people an offensive lineman almost highlights almost to be a detriment. Like sometimes like Joe Thomas didn't have a lot of highlights, but he just never paid attention to what he was doing. So if he got beat, you wouldn't pay attention to it. I feel like Makai is so polarizing because he's the biggest human being. He looks like prime Shaq with all muscle that like it, it makes it bigger. Plus no offense to Dan Feeney, the mullets really cool, but he's probably the worst starting guard in the entire NFL right now playing. So let's just be patient on patient on that guy was not very good in San Diego. And I'm confused why the jets paid him legit backup money, but that's a whole nother discussion. The other, the other thing I wanted to kind of get into is just that receiver room is kind of really stood out during camp. The jets, you covered the jets. Any jets fan knows it's been, there's been few and far between years where like the jets receiver room really was a strength of the team. Corey Davis looks legit. Elijah Moore, obviously he's popped all over the place. And then, you know, guys like Keelan Cole and, Jamison Crowder and those types and then the Denzel Mims thing. How excited should Jets fans be about that receiver room? Do you think it's as, as good as the kind of the amount of hype it's getting? Or is it in terms, of the, uh, in terms of the Jets receiver room, obviously, you know, a lot of exciting pieces, additions during the off season. How excited should Jets fans be about that receiver room? Is it, is it good, not great? Or is it actually as, as hyped up as, you know, it's getting?
1: Uh, it's good, not great. I think you should be excited in the sense that it's better than what it was last year. Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say, like, it's one of the deepest, or like one one of the best like receiving cores in it's the not NFL. Better
0: in Tampa and Kansas City.
1: Yeah, like I mean, because at some point, like top end talent has to matter. And, like maybe you have like five guys better than Tennessee's five, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna take the ones that has Julio Jones, and AJ Brown, like, and I don't think that that's such a such a crazy hot take. Uh, but I, it, it's good that you have, you know. If, if Denzel Mims is your worst guy, like, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Even if you don't have, like, a true, like, bona fide defense coordinators are terrified of him, number one. You got five good guys, five guys who can play in, you know, a different amount of roles that is going to kind of suit itself to, hopefully, what we see is a creative offensive coordinator, Michael Floor. Like, I I still think he has to prove that in, in game uh, because, you know, I, I – just in a little skeptical just kind of hiring someone who's just like the floor Shanahan all right bring it on uh and, I, and he absolutely couldn't work but I still want to see him do it so I think it's good that he set himself up in a way where you know we got guys who can run out the slot and Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder We are big guys on the outside uh with Corey Davis and Mims and a, a speed guy that you can get creative with and various like that's much better spot you were in last year and uh I think that that's a, a reason for a lot of the excitement but you know just pump the brakes on saying like this is one of the best receiving core in the league like we we still need to see some of these guys play like a lot of them more play against pro players but I will say like you're obviously you're in one of the best spots the Jets has been at receiver in years which I think is a reason for a lot of the excitement
0: yeah I'm excited to see some of these young guys the Jets haven't I mean, obviously, they've only been practicing, and they've had the one game and whatnot. And most teams haven't seen everyone all at the same time. But I I'm, would love to be able to see this offense again in you know in game action with Elijah Moore and Crowder and Mims, and you know and Corey Davis and Keelan Cole all at one time, just to see really what the you know what it could look like. And obviously, the floor is not going to open up the playbook too much and get Zach out in the move and the ball in Elijah Moore's hands in creative ways. Kind of wanted to move in, uh, just move into the AFC East a little bit. We've seen now. Tua play a game. He had some moments that looked good. He had some moments that gave people the same reason to be critical of Tua. Mac Jones had an interesting debut in terms of being accurate and and being quick at the ball, getting out of his hands quick, but he still threw for 70 yards on on 20 attempts, so I'm not going to get too overly excited about that. And Cam struggled a little bit. And then obviously, you know, you look at the Bills, and if they can avoid the COVID vaccine stuff, they probably are going to be running away with this division. How do you see the AFC shaking out in terms of, you know, I feel like it's, the Bills than everybody else. And it's kind of all about quarterback and the young players.
1: Yeah, we're, we're talking about the AFC East. definitely the top dog. Uh, I don't think really any of the teams, just the close on them, unless, you know, Tua takes a huge step forward and those receivers click uh, me for them. Because, I mean, Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Parker, like, that's probably as good as a trio that is, you'll find all across the league. Uh, but you know like you said Tua has some questions and as apparently the Falcons show today in practice the offensive line has a lot of questions uh, to power through too uh, and with the Patriots like I, I think that the Patriots like they're kind of in a similar boat as the Jets where you got better from last year but like how much better is uh, a fair question to ask because obviously Johnny Smith and uh, Hunter Henry are going to be big upgrades at tight end but when you look at the receiver room, Kendrick like I don't think he, like he's a, a name that we know because he's played with a high-profile team in, in terms of like the 49ers and stuff. But yeah, I don't know if he's actually like leaps and bounds better than what they had last year. Nelson Aguilar is a player that we know because first-round pick Philadelphia had a nice season last year. But, you know, he's going to be the best receiver on your team. Like, I don't really know how, how valuable – that makes his skill set if he's someone that you have to funnel targets to because the other guys just aren't really that good. So, but the Patriots, like I know that they got better. They're gonna get Dante Hightower back. Hopefully, get yep, Stefan Gilmore can have a little bounce back season for them. I know they're better. I just don't know how much better. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about all the teams, except the Bills. Like I know that the Bills, if Josh Allen, even if he has a, a little bit of a drop-off, that's still gonna be one of the most productive offenses in the league. And you have like the high like the ability for high-impact plays where, you know, next thing you know, you could blink and Josh Allen throw a 70-yard pass to Stefan Diggs. And that's kind of like the the X factor, I think, that separates the Bills from the rest of the team. And then reloading on defensive line talent, they're going to have some growing pains too. But when you look at some of the packages that they were playing around with uh, last week where you've got, uh, it was like four defensive ends on the field and all of them were like kind of, Kind of, kind of dudes like where you got Rusev, Basham, uh, it's like
0: all first and like, early second round picks at Vanessa. At right. all, like it's a lot of, it's a lot of high talent guys. It's just yeah, click so, it all yeah. one time.
1: Right, and and we know like we there's a reason why Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are thought of so highly uh across the league. Like, this is a good football team. It's going to be tough, but in terms of like the whole AFC, um, I KC until other until we see otherwise like that offensive line especially in the run game like they're going to be moving dudes this year uh when you look at remanda brown joe thuney creed humphrey is already starting the center and he had a one health performance on sunday uh in his limited snaps uh against the 49ers like that that's going to be a team that's just going to roll over people this year
0: yeah the AFC is just weird because like i go back and forth with i haven't like made my official how i think it's going to shake out but I really, like, I saw NBC Boston predictably it was, like, the Patriots should be winning 9 to 12 games. And, like, they won six – they won more than 11 games six times with Brady in his peak. Like, I'm not sure where you're getting 12 games from with that schedule and, like, that roster and quarterback. Like, I love Cam. He was one of the coolest people I've ever watched play quarterback. But, like, Cam's done, in my opinion. I just don't think, like, he hasn't – I don't know that COVID is really the reason Cam didn't play well last year, maybe a little bit, but – I don't know, in Miami, there's still a lot of question marks. Like, that team has a lot of good roster, and Flores is awesome, but, like, I don't know. Is Will Fuller going to play more than 10 games, or is, like, Tua going to be that much of an X factor? I mean, there's a lot of, like, ifs, you know, with them. And it's the same thing with the Jets, too. If the Jets roster, you know, the 22 starters aren't – there's a solid roster. It's the guys behind them. if anybody gets hurt, it's it's not, it's not pretty. So, um, you know, the AFC, for me, it's pretty clearly Kansas City and then right below them is – not right below, but it's Buffalo. And then for me, Cleveland and Baltimore. And, and it's just, I don't know, some of the things that the, the AFC is weird because I feel like the NFC, like I could see three or four teams like legitimately getting the number one seed and winning the Super Bowl. The AFC, I kind of feel like it's kind of KC and that's, it's like I don't really see anybody else unless they kind of dog it at the end of the year and Buffalo gets really hot. Are you, are you Cleveland or a Baltimore guy? Because I feel like those are the two teams. I think Pittsburgh's not going
1: to be very good. Personally. Yeah, I'm, I I think Pittsburgh is that offense is going to make them irrelevant this year. And I think that that's done, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like you their offensive line isn't that good either. Like once they once they start getting to real football, like I think that those holes are going to be a lot harder for Najee Harris to find than it's been for him so far. The preseason, that, Najee looks good, uh, but that's Najee's awesome. awesome. It's just yeah, it's my block like, but that's never, right, with the Najee pick, it was like, well, how does this make your team better? Uh, and I think we're going to see, like, you know, he's a good player, but not doesn't make your, your team all that much better. But in terms of Baltimore and Cleveland, uh, I find myself leaving, leaving Baltimore uh, because I like Baltimore's defensive talent a lot more than uh, Cleveland. I like Cleveland's offensive talent more than Baltimore. But to me, like, these teams are... Kind of even when you like take out the quarterbacks, and I just think Lamar Jackson's a better player than Baker Mayfield. So I think I last year, like last year, that that game that they had on Monday Night Football uh, was cr- the cold cramp game. Yeah, yeah. But, or either he had to cramp or had to take a shit. Like I don't, yeah, I don't know it was what. Probably I
0: was, was probably taking a shit, but yeah. we'll, we'll give Lamar benefit of the doubt.
1: Uh, but you know, for me, like that game kind of showed the difference between Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, where, you know, if things are not going right for Baker or or like, you know, the offense has to be going right for Baker to be like a consistent positive for you. I'm not saying that he's not a good player, but he needs more structures around him in order to be a productive player. But with Lamar, like when things go wrong, like he can still make something happen out there. Like that that play uh, to Marquise Brown in that game to kind of ice it for them, Like, he's out there running around like a chicken with his head cut off, but he's faster than everyone on the field, and he flicks a dime down the field. And to me, like, when it's time to make a play and someone needs to make a play, I just trust Lamar Jackson to do that more than Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to roll with the Ravens, but, you know, the Browns, like, the fact that we've been having this discussion is kind of incredible because, like, for basically our entire lives as football fans, that team's been a complete joke. And now
0: they're... They went 0-16 four years, right? three four years ago three, four years ago yeah yeah
1: uh, The 2017 season yeah uh, when they went 0 and 16 and you know even beyond that like he they speak, him, yeah uh 1 and 31 like i would quit so fast uh <laughs> even beyond that uh they, they've just been a joke our entire life so like the fact that this has kind of been turned around like it's fun i mean browns fans are rabid as hell and I, it's just kind of cool to see that they have a team that's like actually worth the loyalty that they've invested into the franchise
0: yeah Andrew Barry and Brandon Bean are two guys that are just like exceptional do an exceptional job wanted to quickly just hit on a couple of couple more things and, and then we'll uh and then we'll let you go the the DAC stuff I, I know you you know hard knocks is hard knocks and, and whatever and you know I'll good will go morning footballer talking about it and I actually like, didn't really pay attention to it and then I re-watched like three times I, like Dak didn't even like throw the cake with his right hand. And I know you could be like, Oh, whatever. It's just cake. But like this dude consciously was like, I'm not throwing cake with my right arm. That's worth $160 million over the next four years. How concerned are you just because I'm not necessarily concerned with, you know, Dak long-term, but this year, like he hasn't played football now and almost be a year coming off a major injury and and an arm problem seems like with a team with a defense that kind of sucked last year to be nice. It's a little concerning.
1: I think with for me that i kind of looked at is like they're just being like super duper 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 cautious with this because you are you're you're already working your way back from one injury and like we won't we won't know like they can tell us all the propaganda they want but we won't know like how he's actually feeling about that leg until we see that tweet was so stupid yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but like the mri tweet was to me that was just like oh we're gonna we're gonna get this check back up We're, we're gonna look at this and I know that the Cowboys recently they've gone some, uh, they've gone through some changes within their training staff. So I don't know if this is just them being more cautious. Like, like you said, like this is if everything works out, like this is a one hundred sixty million dollar investment. Like, there's no business in the country where you're not taking like the utmost care of a hundred sixty million dollar investment. So for me, it's like they're just being very hyper aware of the amount of stress they're putting on, whether it's a cake or a football. And to me, like the MRI tweet was just like, we're about to go look at this, but we know if we just say Dak Prescott's having an MRI, uh, that's not gonna go over well. I think they just kind of, with the tweet, I think they kind of laid it on a little bit too thick there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to worry. Well, now I'm panicking and worried. Cause you told yeah, me, not. You tell
0: me, you tell me like, <laughs> no offense. The first thing I'm thinking is like, you're going to try to disrespect me. So yeah, no, the other two, uh, the other two quick things I kind of wanted to kind of wanted to hit on one are the giants, the least like their most hateable team, just because of how like college Joe Judge is in terms of like the up downs and like the anti-fighting and the comments from John Mayer yesterday and Daniel Jones is like, whatever i don't want to be me into daniel jones but it's not pretty how like because this team should be able to win right now like the weapons they have the defense performance last year james bradbury was freaking awesome and i didn't i actually got that wrong i thought he was gonna be pretty like overpaid but the giants need to win this year like they've got everything invested almost in this year rookie quarterback deal saquon all these guys like what are they supposed yeah. to, i don't know what are they gonna
1: do i it, it mean it, it jason garrett's gotta be better than he was last year. that's a big thing i mean in this era of football if you're failing to crack like 20 touchdown passing touchdowns like you you are doing something horrifically wrong because like even the bad teams are are putting up like stats that would look decent you know 30 years ago like if you're putting up the passes stats for the 1970 football team like <laughs> what what's going on here so you know with with the Giants like I wouldn't say that they're hateable more than they just are so boring like it's like it's like almost not even worth thinking about them ever since they traded Odell like they haven't been a must-watch team because they don't really have uh any must-watch players except Saquon and he was hurt for uh the majority of last year and then the year before that like he was banged up too so uh I I just kind of hope they kind of get together a little bit because they do have some fun players now like Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius uh, Tony seems to have gotten off to a horrific start so far, but uh, when he gets the ball. I just camp- saw
0: AR-15 getting uh, in a bit of trouble to start camp. That's a little <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and, and like you said, Saquon, Evan Ingram, like there's dudes on this offense that can make it fun, but it's got to come down to like, can Jason Garrett figure out how to coach a modern offense, not one that looks like we should be watching on black and white television, or is this going to be the same thing as last year where you can't do anything through the air or on the ground, really. So uh, I think that Jason Gary has a lot to do with it. The defense should be fine, once again. Uh, I think one interesting thing about the Giants is, like, they figured out how to have a productive defense without any edge rushers, which I think goes to show a long way about, like, how good of a mind Patrick Graham is because I think, you know, some of these guys didn't get reliant on the front seven talent they have, but when you don't have all that much outside of, like, guys in the interior, that's where you start to see like the, the big boy defensive coordinators differentiate themselves from uh, the other guys. You're gonna get Xavier McKinney back at, at safety. And he was one of my favorite players in the draft last year. So you know it, it's gonna be an interesting team and performance, but culture wise, they're so boring. Like I, I, I don't mind talking to Joe Judge, but like he's never gonna say anything in front of Mike. That's gonna get him in trouble. You can see the players aren't going to say anything from the mic that's going to get them in trouble. Like, whenever something bad happens, they got Sterling Shepard out there, and he's saying, no, if you don't like it, you can leave. It's like, okay, like, this just has a very college feel to it. And then with, when John Marley the other day was saying, we don't want to see taunting, well, maybe if you want more, you want to see a little bit. It's,
0: yeah, I mean, it, when it was it was cool when Odell and Josh Norman were going at it. All of a sudden, when he stopped winning, it magically yeah. became a huge problem. Jersey shows went down
1: yeah so but, yeah uh, I, just, I, just, I just hope they get it together and start having fun again because you know you're you're in one of the biggest media markets in the world like go be that team that people kind of hate a little bit but for the fun reasons not for this reason
0: yeah because like you're good and because like when you know you're you're kind of rubbing it in last last uh last thing here before i let you go the nfc south to me not you know it kind of feels almost like the afc it's just in this fact that there's one clear-cut really good team and then there's a bunch of like really interesting storylines with like the Falcons are kind of in a weird spot. And I know I don't want to get you started on like the, why you didn't take Justin Fields and the whole thing. That's that's a whole nother discussion, but the Panthers and, and the Saints are both teams that like, the Saints have been really good for a really long time. And now they've got a huge question mark at quarterback. And I think it's one that could go well. And Sean Payton could show how good of a coach he is, or could go really, really poorly because, you know, I'm not sold to either guys really that good um how do you see the nfc at south those three teams do you think it's just going to be kind of a mess of like six seven teams
1: yeah i mean bucks are just good they, I think they're about to run away with this again uh i just don't see any of these teams competing with the bucks realistically uh and then with the with the rest of the three teams like you can make cases for all of them to finish second through fourth like i can give you a best case scenario a falcon scenario where kyle pitts is a top five to seven tie-in immediately and Calvin Ridley's already that dude and Arthur Smith figures yo, he out. cooked he cooked Jimmy Howard today that was he nice did. he did he, dude yo I, I I know Ridley's Ridley's like got some love on like fantasy twitter because of the work that he did last year when Julio was hurt but like we're about like you guys like people who aren't aware like you're about to see like that dude is a bona fide number one star he me
0: a top he me a top 10 top 12 receiver this year yeah
1: like like this is a guy who has the capability to lead the league in receiving yards like he's he's really that dude and it's 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 cool because like as you see in the clip like it doesn't come from the same way that Julio did where it's like all right well I'm 6'3 230 and I can run faster than you and I'm stronger than you get the like get the hell out of my way like it with Ridley it's you know you're covering him and then you take one false step, and he's 20 yards he's away. So,
0: he's like the – I know we use this term with white receivers and white running backs a lot, but, like, he's <laughs> deceptively really fast. Like, he doesn't yeah. – his strides, like, if you even watch that, like, he he gets four or five yards of separation on Zebman Howard, like, in a hurry, but it doesn't even look like he's moving at, like – you know, when you watch, like, an Elijah Moore or, you, or when some of these guys run, they're shorter, so they look so fast. But he, like – he just glides, man. It's it's pretty cool to watch, honestly. It's, it's enjoyable to watch yeah. him run routes. and being yeah. on Julio for three four years helps you a lot
1: yeah and then it's like that's the best case scenario like Kyle Pitts is a top five tight end right at the gate and Ridley continues to play as number one for the Panthers like best case scenario Sam Darnold becomes a guy that they think they traded for uh I personally am a little bit dubious about that uh but you know that's Ruiz is cool. the
0: biggest Sam Darnold fan on the internet right now
1: oh He's yeah so pumped up <laughs> uh <laughs> he, he was, dude. I, I remember when, when that trade happened. Stephen was like despondent about.
0: He was you know, just on the pod too, and I was like, "I'm a huge. I was a huge Sam guy. I'm always gonna be a big Sam guy just because I actually I like Sam. It's not even about like whatever." And I, I wrote him. I was like, "I was like, dude, let's go." He's like, "He's like, no, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: not." Yeah, he was like, he was like real life upset when that trade went through. steven's a big Panthers fan for those of you guys listening, and then with the Saints, like. If James comes in, because I think James is going to end up winning the job, uh, they're gonna give it another preseason game to make the decision. But... I don't
0: think you could start Taysom Hill and like mm-hmm. not be a shit,
1: Yeah. Uh so you know if James comes in and he plays well and Michael Thomas gets healthy, you know, relatively early in the season, like you can make a case for really any of those teams to finish sixth or fourth, like I said. But Tampa Bay's top dog, just in terms of talent, they're so much farther ahead than the rest of the, the division. So yeah, you know, that should be a pretty easy uh for them. It's funny. I was uh, I was actually talking to someone the other day, and they were like, "Do you guys?" They asked me like, "Do you think Tom Brady picked the Bucks because he saw that it was turning into the new AFC East?"
0: He <laughs> really, you know, But it is though. It's crazy. Like if you look at it, like Drew Breed's like whatever. Even though Brady last year was good, like four of the 16 games, but he got hot at the right time, and that roster is ridiculous. The roster was good before him, by the way. Like Jameis led the league in turnovers, and they still won eight games, which is really hard to do. Now that that division is going to be like one of those divisions that's you're going to know a lot for the next three or four years this year, because you know I, I still love Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan still gets a lot of doesn't get he gets a lot of hate for he won a unanim, like he won an MVP. Like I don't understand why he doesn't get more love from just like the general public. But yeah, if, boring.
1: And with Matt Ryan, like yeah, he's boring. And the thing with Matt is like there's no, like, if you were trying to sell, like, a an average person, like, why should I watch Matt Ryan today? Like, if I, if you, if it's you could watch him throw to Julio, it's not because right. he's Matt Ryan. Right. It's like, it's it's like, it's a hard sell. Like, if someone asked me, why should I watch Lamar Jackson? Oh, my God. Well, I'll show you some Lamar Jackson highlights. Why should I watch Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Well, I can show you some highlights that will get you excited. With Matt Ryan, it's just, like, very boring excellence, which is kind of hard to sell people on. But, you know, that, that pick, like, at four, it it really had nothing to do with what i think matt ryan can be this season like it's just like you have an opportunity to pick a quarterback you know that matt is gonna be out of here within like three or four seasons so why not make this pick while you're here uh and you have the opportunity to pick a really talented prospect but you know falcons gonna falcon as usual yeah
0: and i wish that game was in atlanta i was really excited to uh to go to jets falcons in atlanta and kind of get after it in Atlanta for a couple nights and then, and then go to the game. But, you know, London's pretty cool too, I guess. It's just, I don't have, you know, thousands of dollars to go to the game. So I'm not going, but um, you know, obviously very exciting stuff. We appreciate, you know, you coming back on and, you know, obviously, hopefully, you know, good luck to both the Jets and the Falcons week four. I hope, uh, you know, hopefully the Jets look good in London and light it up and gain some, uh, gain some news Zach and jerseys and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, in london but you know obviously make sure you're following charles he's uh his twitter account is incredibly enjoyable you know if you have like <laughs> a sense of if you have a sense of humor if you don't like just don't follow them because you yeah, get you're getting pissed <laughs> off at a tweet that's clearly sarcastic
1: yeah if, if you can't laugh at yourself just stay away from my account because we're broken at a bad time
0: all right there, there we go and uh no we we'll appreciate having this guys this will be out uh this will be out friday and uh you know we we'll appreciate you you know coming back on all right thanks for having me